You're listening to Finding Neurodivergence, a podcast that brings awareness, resources, and community to neurodivergence everywhere. Now we are. Okay, we're on. Hello. Hello, listeners. We have had, it's the end of the school year, 2023. Okay, first of all, listeners, we pre-record a whole lot of stuff and then all the stuff gets done. And so we're not really like live. We're more like delayed live exactly. kind of stuff. Yeah. So by the time you listen to this, it's not going to be the end. And you're going to be like, we're at Christmas. What are you talking about? Exactly. So just know that like we have kids and we know that at some point we're going to have a hiatus and being able to record. So we kind of are just recording as we go. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Sorry. So, so for us live right now in the present... It's the last week of school. It's the last week of school, which is always uh, exhausting, emotional with normal kids or neurotypical kids. But then when you have neurodivergent kids, it adds a whole nother layer. So today um, we, oh, first of all, welcome to Finding Neurodivergence. (laughs) Welcome back. Sorry, we got excited and jumped right into it. We're excited to have you. Um, Today we are going to talk to our co-host Patty and we're going to talk about Zandy's story which is uh, one of her twins, her adoptive twins. And it's really pertinent because there is some stuff that happened of late. And so it might get emotional on both ends. Um, But we're just going to jump right in. So Patty, how do you want to start talking about beautiful Zandy? All right. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. She was the one who's always been neglected. Like... So from the, let's start with, so she's adopted. What age was she adopted? So her and her twin came to us at nine months old. Right. And their previous nine months was very transient, very couch surfing, very living here, living there, living in shelters, living all that kind of stuff. Right. And Lexi is the more, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Yeah, interesting. And Lexi is the more dominant twin. So she's always been the one that got a lot of it. And so her mom, her biological mom, their biological mom, couldn't handle twins. Their biological mom also has intellectual disability and probably has FASD, um, was in foster care at some point. The system failed her, like, rough childhood as well, right? And so she couldn't handle twins, so basically Zandy got neglected, So think about the first like six months, nine months of your life where all you are figuring out is, is this world safe, right? Like, yeah, the first six months, nine months, 18 months, really, Mm -hmm. all you need are your needs being met. You cry, does someone come and, and satisfy that need, whether it's a diaper change, food, sleep, whatever, right? Yeah. Like all, and each time you do that, you're able to say, the world is safe. The world is safe. Right? Yeah. I'm being taken care of. My needs exactly. are being met. That didn't happen for Sandy. Like, for the first nine months, Lexi got more of it and Zandy didn't. Yeah, basically none. Right. Right. She came to us five pounds lighter. Like, she... Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. It was just, like, it was... There was a difference. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, I believe, has influenced greatly her self-talk because somewhere along the line 
she created the story that she's not worthy and she's stupid and she's like not not amazing like she is, right? Yeah. So then enter, they came to us at nine months and she got what she needed. But at this point, primary, like primarily, like in her cells is embedded that this world is not safe and I'm not worthy of love. Like that's embedded in who she is. Right. Right. And that's why we're in therapy and that's why we're still attaching and all that kind of stuff. So that being said, um, let's fast forward to first grade where she doesn't like school. She's kind of running from doing anything that she doesn't want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't, does she not like school because she doesn't feel safe or she wants to be at home or why doesn't she I think she a like little school? bit of both. Okay. Um, I think there was a safety issue with a sense of like, who can I trust? Who's going to like right, me? Who's who the support person? me? Right. Mm-hmm. And there's also like this disability we didn't know of dyslexia and ADHD. Yeah. Right? You hadn't diagnosed We haven't yet. diagnosed them yet. So really I'm thinking it's all trauma, 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 which is crazy because trauma mimics ADHD a lot. A lot. A it's lot. huge. Yeah. And so we're kind of seeing really these difficult. tendencies maybe, but at the same time we're like, I'm viewing everything through trauma because like that I know happened. You right. Know? That's your vantage point. Mm-hmm. That's our vantage point. And at this point she has a soft diagnosis of FASD because we already have brother and brother got a diagnosis. And when brother got a diagnosis, I got the girls diagnosed. I was like, let's let, let, evaluated. And it was, I say soft diagnosis because basically she's the doctor said like they're a borderline like they could have it they could not have it but because I know brother is severely impacted and statistically speaking if brother has it the likelihood of her doing the same thing during pregnancy that she did with brother is high is high so basically we're going to give them this diagnosis because also we'll help you with like services and resources and all that kind of stuff okay so we have that but really it's like the trauma is coming out, you know, mm-hmm. the trauma is coming out. And so we're thinking it's like safety issues or whatever. Um, they already have an IEP by this point because they got an IEP when they were in preschool because of like wow. speech okay. stuff, which was great because I was able to put all like the trauma stuff and combinations into, IP, into the yeah. IEP because we had it for speech. Um, and then they, so then they, during their triannual, right? So this is their first Mm-hmm. triannual that they had right it comes up that she's dyslexic and has ADHD tendencies she was borderline ADHD like really it was the dyslexia stuff and we're like oh that's the reason why she's running right so your things, primary right? focus went to the dyslexia our primary focus went to the dyslexia and we're at the school that is supposedly trying to like meet every kid where they're at it's like personalized master learning let's Mm -hmm. let's meet them where they're at and get them where they go kind of thing so everyone gets taught at their level right um around the iep table iep table it's amazing but implementation whoo like a lot of it has to do with just not having resources and then a lot of it has to do with not having the leadership to be able to help and support the teachers who needed to help implement. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. I was with a, 
a teacher this weekend and she was talking about that, how she's so uh, been out of shape about, she sits in IP meetings and she's a teacher and she knows what the parents are hearing is basically probably not going to be delivered on and it just infuriates her. Well, which is weird because whenever I was in those IEP meetings, I would be like, is this feasible? You know, like are, are, are the yeah, teachers it's crazy uh, to able me. to be able like to actually do this? And our, we went to a school that had a ratio from one, and tr- one, one to 12. Like each class had an aide. Wow. And the school kind of had like they were maxed at like 24. Yeah, that's you great. Know? So it's a great ratio. It is a really good most ratio. Most ratios are like yeah. 36 and whatever, right? And no aides right. and whatever. So we had a great ratio, but still I was like, you're asking a lot of these teachers. Like I was the one who was like fighting for the teachers, like being yeah, able to do it. They're right? not, I mean, they're not. And she also said, you know, they're not trained. Well, even, but she was like, it's not the teachers, the special ed resources aren't even properly, properly trained. I mean, the whole thing was fascinating. We should interview her because from her perspective, she's a general ed teacher, but is really knowledgeable about, the stuff well it's just so weird it's like why are they not trained on certain things like i understand you don't have that sped credential but you're gonna have kids with iep so you should be trained on certain things you know i don't know it's that's a whole nother we should and we need to interview her and and bonnie our our savior at that at school okay so back to zandy so then at this point, she's already being bullied by some students hmm. who are basically calling her a barn animal and telling her that she's dumb and she should live in a barn with the animals and then like grunting like pigs and animals at her. That's insane. Right? And it, not just once, like in first grade? First and second grade. This is That's where- That's crazy. Like, That's crazy to me that kids act like that. Oh, yeah. I was like, am I allowed to punch an eight-year-old? Yeah, that's I, crazy. That's what I wanted to do. Or the I, parents. So, it's the first time she heard me curse because I was like, that be Nola? And she was like, <gasps> that is crazy. Oh my gosh. What, mom? And I was like, oh, I'm so mad. Anyways, so she's already, her self-esteem is getting, she's she's now built evidence that, that what, she, be- what yeah. she believes about herself is true. Exactly. And it's really school related. So she's already built a whole story in her head about what school represents to her. Yeah. At a very young age. So yeah. then when we told them, you know, because we're honest with them. Like, yeah. When we told them that they were dyslexic, Lexi took it with like, oh, my brain's different. I have got to learn how to read differently. Right. Cool. Okay. Now I know. Now I can make progress. Like, right. you know, like she was like, Okay. Let's move on, you know? Yeah. Zandy immediately started crying and was like, this is the reason why my brain's broken and this is why I'm stupid. Wow. So she already internalized it as more evidence of why I'm stupid. Why? Yeah, it's crazy to see both of those next to each other to see that. It is. And don't get me wrong. Lexi was doing her own running away. It just wasn't like physical, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I remember... This one time we were driving home and they were, Lexi, Zandy had spent the day running around and and Lexi had done her thing. And this is all first and second grade. And uh, there's in the background, they're in the back of the seat and, and Z, Lexi goes, I don't understand why you run. 
like that's so much work right right, right. Like Lexi being lazy right yes <sighs> so much physical work like why are you running and zandy goes well if you just run the whole entire time that you have to be doing the reading by the time it's done you can go back and then you don't have to do the reading like that's so like, smart that was her she's like you just run until the period's over and then you don't have to do the work like you that's got out crazy. of it right <laughs> but that's crazy so then smart. zandy lexi goes well if you just pretend and- like you're doing the work and you just sit there and draw and then every now and then look up like you're pondering or thinking and then go down and like that draw is some so more. Crazy. And she goes, and then when they change and do a different activity, you just pick up the stuff, yeah. walk to the thing that you're supposed to get, but don't get it and then go somewhere else. So you're in a different spot. Yeah. And keep drawing. Yeah. Like she was like, you can do this so much easier. Like they both had their ways of they like both had their- avoiding the task. Yep. Yeah. And it was completely different. I was like, oh, okay. Y'all are both brilliant. Like they're totally figuring out how to get out of it. That is crazy. I mean, that takes a lot of smarts to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are brilliant. Like, and at this point, I mean, they, they love stories. We're already reading Harry Potter. Like mm-hmm. they are creative, brilliant people, not twice exceptional or anything, but like smart. Like they know no, there's, they're smart. They have street smarts. They have like, they're, yeah. They're witty, they're funny, they're, they're creative. I mean, funny is like a sign of intelligence. Um, They're sarcastic. Oh, by far. Very sarcastic, which is super funny. But it's just, it's another example of how just a school setting is actually more trauma than helping at this point in her life. And then we get to third grade where the jump is Huge. huge. There is a huge jump. Huge jump. At least where we are, we're in california and the way it is in la it is it is a huge jump from second to third it so all essentially goes into like overdrive the easiest way to put it is you're no longer learning to read but you're reading to learn right and you're right. writing at least my kids where they went to school the writing intensified like the level that they were they so were at this point if you can't write. read yeah you're kind of screwed you are you're left you know? behind you're left yeah. behind you're left in the dust and her third grade teacher essentially told her, I don't teach kids how to read. You should know how to read already. And so she just let her sit in the back and do her own thing instead of actually helping her to read, which Zandy took as, okay, I'm, you gave up on me. You're no, I'm no longer worthy of the effort. Of even being taught to and read. And then also she was happy because all she had to do was color. You know, right, but right. she was in class, so they, so the teacher was happy, but the teacher wasn't doing. And that is insane. Our sped ed teacher was oh so gosh. furious. That is insane. Because the sped ed teacher was like, "No, I have her for 120 minutes a week. That's it. You have her the rest of the time. Like you're the one who's going to be able to make a difference and be helping her and teaching her to read. I'm supposed to be supplementing you, not doing it all, right." Like, it was a very big disconnect on that teacher of realizing like it's still her responsibility. Like it's like just because someone has an IEP doesn't mean the specialist, the sped right. specialist. She was, oh, so she was basically just pawning everything off onto the ed specialist. Yeah. She thought it was not her responsibility. Just, right. And so she, she did it not just to Zandy. She did it to a lot of her kids that had, had IEPs. It was like, not my problem anymore. You have her. So they'll deal with it. Yeah. And it's like, no, but they're in your class. Yeah. You know, like you're still their teacher. Yeah. So come on, you yeah. know. 
So at this point, it's third grade. Chris and I are like literally having two meetings a week My with, gosh. These, with these people. Either teachers or the behavior specialists or IEPs or like it's a lot for, and for both of them, for Lexi and for Zandy, because we're now fighting because Lexi also got diagnosed, right? So we're now fighting for accommodations and like all and of resources, stuff and right. resources and everything. And then COVID hits <laughs> and it's like, okay. And at this point we didn't have a lawyer. And I had told the director of the school that we're at that I didn't want to bring a lawyer. Like I understood like the money or whatever. But then she announced, and I trusted like the director. I did not trust at all the director of the special ed department at all. Um, but the director she was, of the school. The, special, the director yeah. of the special ed department was really good in the classroom, but was a horrible leader. Like right, she, outside. Which, she, yeah. she wasn't in the wrong position. Like, yeah, she should have just. She couldn't implement teaching. an IEP at all. Right. But like, she could. When she worked yeah. with the kids, it was great. Right, right, right. And so, I basically once the director like announced that she was leaving, I was like, "Well, I can't trust the principal who I also didn't like." Right. Um, because we had Cognetta, which was phenomenal. Right, the one that we oh yeah that before. we interviewed. Yeah, he's amazing. Amazing, and so I trusted him. But then he left, and we had someone else who just didn't understand. Yep. The school, anything. Anyways, so I didn't trust her. And I didn't trust um, the sped ed teacher. Not the sped, the sped ed director. I loved our sped ed teacher. But then they they took her away and gave us some other person who was like fresh out of like school and had no clue, which her heart was in the right place. But like she was also being mentored by this other person who didn't really know how to be a leader. So it was just like a hot mess. So then the director says she's leaving and I'm like, I can't trust that what we figure out and do is going to get done. So I was like, enter Mark Woodsmall, right? The lawyer. The right. lawyer. And so from there, we, so at this point, she's been bullied by students and by teachers, by a teacher, just one teacher. Um, and then COVID hits. And I'm sitting here going, I'm not going to have Zoom and this, no, this, this B Nola Ugh. come into our home in her yeah. safe space and all this stuff. No. And so Chris took over like the teaching. Yeah. Like, and he did that school and yeah. she made great progress. Amazing progress. It was probably the best because we were able to still get the services from the school. So she still had like teaching with some of the the special teachers and yeah. whatnot and we did the assignments but Chris was really good at like asking the teacher what's the mission of this like what do you want her to accomplish and I'll have her accomplish it versus like busy yeah, work doing all busy work stuff. right um so she did made great progress I think her anxiety kind of she went had down. some success she had yeah. anxiety went down we had an ed therapist enter the scene it was good um we wanted her to go to uh we were, fi we were fighting for both of them to go to the school that, that they attended this last year. I right. feel like I need to protect schools now. Right. Um, and so we're having the lawyers do that. Right. Um, so during homeschool, we kind of realized like, oh my gosh, 
typical squirrel, 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 squirrel was happening, right? Like, yeah, we realized all the ADHD tendencies and all of this stuff. So and I was Sandy like, were huge, right? Yes. And by this right. point, Jackson's been diagnosed. So I'm like reading up on it and like mm-hmm. doing meds. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, she has this. And we had the tendencies, but we kind of focused on the dyslexia. So I was like, okay, like it is what it is. So we ended up going to the pediatrician, the pediatrician, gave her her ADHD meds and we started with a low dose and it made like a world of difference. Mm. And so now we have this new diagnosis of ADHD. So she's soft diagnosis, FASD, dyslexic and ADHD. Mm. And she's having success with the therapist and doing dad school. She doesn't get into the school that um, Lexi Lexi got into because of her Running. Running and her elopements, her behaviors, right? They yeah. Elopements means leaving the classroom, leaving the yeah. campus. So she doesn't get in there and we take her to another school that's far, right? Right. That's also designed for kids. Majority of them are dyslexic and dysgraphia and have a learning disability. So yeah. we're like, oh, this is going to be good. And I actually thought like, oh, maybe we'll switch Lexi to this school because of the demographic and whatnot. But that school was kind of, the teachers are fine. But that school was kind of a hot mess because the kids were just all over the place. Like they were cursing up a storm. They were stealing the teacher's passwords so they can get the like answers to the quiz. And like, yeah, I know that school. So that school is a is a contract school with LUSD. And so, you know, we looked at it too. So there's kids there that have learning disabilities, but I think it's also heavy behavioral which they don't really vet out I think so I think what no because someone like Zandy who's super sensitive and just really has dyslexia and ADHD needs a calm cool environment right and all her behaviors were from stemming from the shame and anxiety of being dyslexic yeah none of it was really like other issues right right like yeah like if we took the shame away I think she would be in like she wouldn't be running. She wouldn't do any of that stuff, right? Right. Um, and the shame just added to her self talk. Like that's the primary, mm-hmm. like symptom of her the story she tells herself, right? You know? But yeah, these kids like are they, and they come from all over the place. So it was hard to create a community because they're we live forty five minutes everywhere. You yeah, know? they're pulled from all over. And so yeah, it was hard to figure. And and the parents didn't really care. Like the school that you know, Marlo and Lexi are at, like, the parents are just as needy yeah, the parents just are, as much right. the parents as anyone are else. just involved. Right, the parents are involved, the parents care, the parents are watching their kids. Where you get that in some schools where the parents just drop off the kids and just, ex- you know, they expect the school to handle everything for that, for their kids, social and emotional right. behavior, everything like that. Which I feel bad about because I definitely did that with, with Frostig, with Zant, with, like, I said the name. Oh, well, that's okay. Um, with Lexi, because I was having two meetings a week for like four months. Like, but I was like, let me take a breath. No, but that's you know? what that school's made. I mean, you're still you're still checked in, but you know, the school that Lexi's at is a privately funded school, and they are highly resourced. So you know, the expectation is that you can back off. Well, and we are just so exhausted that we needed to back off, and you needed to back off. And then off. now we're homeschooling, whatever you know. So it's like right. a lot. Yeah. So that school, she she did fine academically there, but 
she was being exposed to a lot. And then a racist comment happened. Yeah. And she was being bullied by her best friend there, which was a hard story and a hard thing there because that's that person, which was really hard for me because she, she's autistic, so she doesn't have that social cues. She's also like pretty smart, also dyslexic, ADHD, comes from trauma. Like there was so much there, but she would basically tell Zandy that she was stupid because she didn't know how to read and that you know, that she should be, know how to read already. Like, and then like, she didn't understand that Zandy had more friends. And so then she would say mean things to Zandy. Like it was just, it was all a bad situation. It was a bad situation, but it was, I mean, I was proud of Zandy because Zandy would be like, you know, she just, she, she doesn't know. We got to, like, I need to help her learn this. Like Mm. she had so much grace and empathy, you know, like for her and me. And I'm trying to still teach her, like, yes, you need to give people grace and whatnot. And you can't have the disability be the excuse, but we also need to know that that's what's happening. Right. And you have to have boundaries. Like, you're coming you home have crying to have once or twice you a week. You have to have boundaries. Like, that's not good for you. Yeah, you, you know? need to be able and to like, push back on that. So trying yeah. to, and it was a good lesson in that sense of everything. And then the racist comment happened. And, and literally, this person said something about black people and about being not being able to read and about Jackson being dumb and like all like and then Mexicans too like it was like she hit like everyone in our family and like I was like I'm done you know yeah yeah so that and then I couldn't let that go because I can't have her go to a school that's not gonna yeah like so I had to teach the school and like now I'm getting involved with the school and everything and then the school tried to handle it but then Zandy was like I felt even more othered and more like singled out than before so it was like oh it's i know so and then that with a demographic of the kids and i was just like no you can't go there so we went to lexi's school again and they accepted her and we were always kind of like is it good for them to be in the same school they can't be in the same class like they she also gets bullied by her sister right to a certain extent right and lexi lexi is the more dominant for sure you know what i mean and lexi is you know and she's my angry one. Like she's definitely, yeah. she, everything comes out in like anger and frustration and like, right. So then she's mad at right. herself. She takes it out on, Z- on Zandy. Right. She's mad at like what's happening. She takes it out on Zandy. Like Zandy's right. her punching bag and not cool at all, but is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, moving them different rooms has helped a lot with that. So anyway, so then, so that was like, are we going to like, the class by the frost frostic by itself was like looked good on paper and looked good that it's gonna be something that she needed, right? And also for Lexi. So then it was like the dynamic of them together or whatever. So she goes to the same school as Lexi now and it's fine. They are in the same class. Within six weeks, the school goes, we need to separate them, and I was like, Oh shit, Sherlock. Like I told you that from the beginning. <laughs> like That's so weird that they put like I well, Jojo and Marla were in school very short period of time together, but they were separated from kindergarten. We had them. The girls were together in kindergarten. Yeah. And then that in the second semester, we separated them because I didn't, I wanted them together because I knew they needed the stability of the trauma to get to be with each other. Yeah. No, I get However, it. because Lexi, and at this point, Lexi's also running and doing her own things about avoiding right. stuff. So if one was having a good day and one was having a bad day, 
they would set each other off. They would set each other off. Yep. And then if her sister was gone for a certain amount of time, she would get nervous and then they would go check on each other, you know, because yeah, they did take care this. of each So it yeah. was a bad dynamic in that sense. So that's why we separated them. Um, and I know they compare each other to each other. And I know that Lexi's, Zandy's story is comparing. Yeah. You know, it's so really it's like, I didn't need to, them to be to in be. the same class. Right. You know, and at this point, Lexi's already said, like, I don't like being a twin. I can't get away from her. Even when I look in the mirror, I see her. I know. Have, you know, so it's like, you know. okay. So they need their own space or whatever. And they separated and things got better. Um, and then things started getting hard again, like academically. Mm. And and this is where I blame myself because I wasn't as involved in what's going on as much. Because you get these weekly reports and it's like, it looks like she's doing what she's supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, second semester, in the middle of it, I get this, we need to meet. And we had we had a meeting in the first semester about like, how can we help her engage and whatnot, right? And so we, it was fine. Um, I gave some pointers and like talked about the school trauma and whatever. And then in the middle of the second semester, I get, we had this meeting and it's like, I just want to warn you that, you know, she's refusing to do work. She won't work with anybody but Miss Alyssa. Um, Frostig may not be the right fit. You said the name of the school. <laughs> oh, well. But That's I right. think that, I think, you know, it's it's really, really tricky. And I think as a parent, um, you can't really blame yourself. I mean, you want to in so many instances. I'm in the same boat so many times. But I think it's fair to say, like, you put her there, and I would have done the same thing, where you just want her to kind of get in the rhythm, being there, see how it vets out, get her comfortable. She's had such a horrible time in the last school. She's at four different schools in the four different years. She's at four different, different schools in, in four years. And then the last one was a pretty bad experience. I mean, I kind of lived through that with you guys. So I think I would, common sense would say, let's just let her settle in. You know, and, and just hope, you know, just let her get her bearing. Um, I think it's tough because sometimes I feel like you're given the information too late. You know, like the That's, warning bell, you know, I think in a lot of situations, they know things are going on for a lot longer than they're telling you. And as a parent, you don't know what's going on in the classroom unless someone tells you. You know, a lot of times your child um, won't communicate that to you especially someone like zandy oh because every i mean you how, know how how was school it was fine all right were you kind to people yeah yeah or are you know were people kind to you yeah okay like they don't tell you what's happening and then you get an email saying she refused and like sat outside of the class and refused to do all this and he's like okay like that's not <laughs> something did happen at school you know like but in their head they're like Meh, yeah and then i'm also I'm not one, if it happens at school, school should handle it. And I'm not going to, I don't want to say punish, but whatever. Like, what happened, like, school is school and home is home, you know? Right, so it's right. Like, I don't like you punishing them. You want to have them. a separation. Yeah, because they need a safe space and they need a safe, pl- you know? So it's like the idea of like, oh, you did this, so now you're not going to be able to watch TV or whatever. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. You know, it's like the consequences should be for school things should be handled by the school and the consequences of home things should be handled at right, the home. Right, yeah. You know, so it's like we're trying to balance, and don't get me wrong, like you didn't do your homework or you didn't do your work, then let's bring it home and do it. And like, you know, right. like I want to hold them accountable to these things, but right. But it was just like, it, like you said, it was 
it was the communication wasn't as frequent as it needed to be for as bad as it was. Because, yeah, we had this one meeting in the first semester, but it was more like we want to figure out how to engage her more. Like, it wasn't like necessarily this is becoming an issue. Right, right. Which I get because they're trying to learn who she is and everything. And and that's when I told them, they had known about it, but that's when I was like, look, there's all this school trauma. They're like, oh, that makes sense. And so they put more, like, things in place or whatever. Right. And then second semester happens, and they're, I basically get this meeting of, like, this is where we're at. And I'm like, how all of Miss Alyssa's stuff is saying that she needed, like, none of it is, like, threes of, like, refuse to do work and whatever. All of it is twos of, like, she eventually got there, you know? So yeah. it was, like, kind of, like, shocking how bad it was because I never got the communication of how bad it was. Right. And then I'm kind of baffled of a school that's designed for learning differences and things wouldn't know or how or to handle this like anxiety, shame, and everything because mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. toured it was like I asked about refusal of, of classes and everything yeah and I remember Dean saying like it you know they come a lot of them have had bad experiences so well, it the takes majority them. of them I mean everyone I mean it, I mean Marla's the lucky exception because we pulled her out before that happened but all of the kids that I talked to all the parents I talked to that have finally come to Frostig and some come in fourth fifth you know, third grade, every kid is coming in with school trauma, with school trauma, because they have had really, really bad experiences with school and school has not been a place for them to feel safe or feel good about themselves. So they have to un- unpack and undo a lot. And for and almost every Dean kid talks there. about that of like, yeah. you know, we realize that school is yeah. never a place that they've had success at and how he yeah. tells them all the time, like, they're so brave to go to right. a place every single day that they don't want to go to and that it's hard for them to do the things they're asked to do. Right. You know? And so I guess I just thought they would have a better handle on it. But right. I, and I, but I also understand why they're at a loss because like I'm at a loss. Like I, you can't control other people's actions. And so there's only so much you can yeah, do. Yeah, if they're throwing everything that they know which they if did. If they're throwing their whole toolkit at it and they're using all the resources that they know how to combat it and they're not getting any results, um, then, you know, then they, they, they have an issue too. I just think time heals all things and I think she needs more time. I think time is something that for someone like Zandy especially is the only cure-all it's the only salve you know what I mean you're yeah you're not going to make her you're not going to speed up the process of undoing all of that in a year or in a semester you know what I mean that needs to unravel so yeah for a year and her self-talk needs to start changing and that takes time you know and I shoot myself and blame myself because we had the emotional therapist, but when we went to Summit View, it, we stopped her because it didn't work for the schedule. And then we went to Frostig and we we're like, well, she's going to be in a good place. We don't know if she doesn't need, need it. it. But if we would have kept 
woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know? Like, if we would have kept it, hindsight. Yeah. And maybe she would be in a better spot, you know? Right. And then her therapy, her emotional therapy, went from, during COVID, 30 minutes via Zoom, to, like, it was an hour in person, and it went to 30 minutes in Zoom during COVID, and I was, so now that she's seen people in person, I was like, can we jump it up for an hour? Because 30 minutes, like, they're just, rem- re- they're just, you know, keeping the connection. They're not right. doing a lot. But of, they're not doing a lot, a lot of, work. of work. So we just upped that as well. And I could, I, I guess I should have, whatever, like done that sooner or something. And hired, now we have an educational therapist in the mix again. Yeah. And at that meeting, I said, okay, this is what we're doing on our end, you know? And yeah. But then it was the play and they didn't have, in the play, they just, that's all I do is the play. So I felt like they didn't give Zandy enough time with the new things in place, maybe. But so it got to the point where Zandy's refusing to do any work in front of people, like peers or teachers. And she will only work with Miss Alyssa, who she feels gets her. Okay. She won't even work one-on-one with other teachers. Yeah, so none of her other spe- like her, yes. her other teachers outside of Miss Alyssa. Like Miss Alyssa is the only person she'll work with one on one. Um, she'll work. It got to the point where she was starting to do some things in groups, thanks to Marlon, really. Um, but it wasn't like she was making steps forward, but it wasn't fast enough for them. But it wasn't fast enough for them. And I mean, I get it. Like the school is not designed to be a one on one teaching i know and miss Alyssa was amazing like she yeah. let her eat te- lunch with her and i was like i would have been like get away from no. me this is my hour <laughs> you know like, no they're amazing so and even the educational therapist who i liked her off the bat because she was like okay before we start sessions i want to figure out who zandy is and what's going on so let me talk to the emotional therapist let me go to the school and observe her that's let great me go to the teacher so it wasn't just yeah. like okay like she really tried to get to know Zandy a lot more. Like holistically, yeah. That's good. Yes, before going, let's meet. You right. know? Right. So we didn't really we actually didn't have a meeting with her in person until the day I was told that Zandy can't go back to the school. Right. And it was like crap. And then I should say that this day so at this point, Chris and I are definitely not on the same page with her Chris is being triggered by Zandy with her hormones and ADHD and then the lack of effort and like all that stuff right right um I'm overcompensating for his lack of connections I'm like doing weight connections and then giving excuses and not like not giving limits and then expectations or whatever right right. so we have a really good conversation but basically he was like I give up like I give up on her I hope hopefully one of our kids becomes a good citizen and I took that as like well she has no he has no hope or belief or anything in his success and then I'm like why would I want a parent with someone like that and why yeah I want my daughter to be in that you know yeah that's a major statement for a 12 year old to say to a 12 year old well he didn't say to her he said to me no 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 but I'm I'm sorry that's really that's really um, premature to say to you about a 12-year-old. You know, a child, 12, there's still so much going on. Yes. You, and 
it was the first time I felt like I didn't have a partner because Chris yeah. and I have been in lockstep for and you guys communicate really well and we communicate right. well like all of this yeah. stuff and like through the infertility like we had conver- you know like everything like I've always had him as a partner and I felt for the first time I didn't right and it like shook my world and then here I am trying to have like handle Zandy's emotions of her not being able to and I'm mad at, at Frostig because yeah. I wanted you wanted I felt like work. they gave up on her. Right. Prematurely. But yeah. I'm also asking a lot. Like, in high, like, so, so I end up talking to you about it. I yeah. end up talking to Sandy and Margaret with T about what it. What did they say about it? He has some really good things to say about it. Um, Sandy's initial response was, you just tell them no. You just say, no, we're staying here. And I was like, oh. well, I... Don't know if I want to put my child there where they've kind of given up on her, you know. And this is my viewpoint so far is like everyone's yeah. given up on her but me. Right. You know, Chris has, Frostic has, I'm in like bad emotional space. Except for you Except and for Marlo. <laughs> Marlo has not given up on Sandy. No. Oh, Marlo loves I feel her like, death. I feel like Zandy is going to suffocate Marlo though because she's like, Marlo's my bestie. I want to hang out with her all the time. And Marlo's like, I want to chill. I'm not. No, Marlo would. Marlo's just tired. It's in a whole nother story. Marlo's just exhausted. Yeah. Um, exhausted. So I think Marlo convinced me to get Zandy a phone. Are you serious? I think so. Okay. I haven't talked to Chris about that. Okay. That's okay. Hindsight. Okay. Anyways. So I'm in this emotional, whatever we go to. And I, okay. By the way, I felt so loved because like I got spot with you. I told tall and tall was like, hugged me and was like, I will I take one day and Aww. help teach her with you. Like, we will figure this out. You got us. And I was like, thank Aww. God I have you. Like, I'm always crying. I'm I'm at Frostig at this award ceremony. You know, I'm like, yes. telling yeah. Tall. And then she's like crying with me and like telling me that like, we got this together. She, we ha- she, you have us. And I'm like, thank God I have y'all, you know? I know. And then I tell Sandy and Sandy's like, what? She gets like the ang- like righteous anger out, right? Right. And then she's like, emergency meeting. We need to support Patty. We're having coffee. And I was like, oh. <laughs> It's nice when you don't have to ask for help. No, I know. And it just is given. So I was like, yeah, it's, let's do this. I know. These women are amazing. Yes. It's crazy to me. But it even gets better because Sandy and Margaret are there. And Margaret is like the calmest person. I know. It's insane. I don't know. And she's really good at pro- like processing things with you. She is. Because she's she asks very the good questions like the other person. Even keeled. But like yeah. not in a judgmental way. Yes, like even absolutely. Cute. Like it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm talking and saying she's all this stuff. She's good at looking at both sides. And she's basically yeah. like, you're giving Zandy all these excuses. And I was like, what? And she was like, and then she like said it out loud again. I'm like, this, 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 this. Like these are all the excuses you gave for Zandy. And in the end, Zandy's the one who has to try. And Zandy's the one who has to be responsible for she's this. She's right. And Zandy's, and I was just like... She's right. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. That is right. Like, I've overcompensated the connection and therefore given Zandy all these excuses rather than holding her up to her potential and holding yeah. her up to these ex- expectations. And I don't know. It's a fine line. I mean, I think, you know, I struggle with that too. And it's really hard when they come from trauma. I have to say that's another layer that people 
or other parents with kids with learning disabilities that don't have children that are taken from foster care and are adoptive parents because that's another lens and it's and it I think it's really hard to take that lens off um, because there's a protective layer that you put on top of everything else and I think it's it's fair and I think they need it because they need to feel that someone sees them and is going to protect them. Um, But looking at, not from a negative perspective of you giving excuses and me learning when I went to go see that that doctor for one of my kids who is so smart as a PhD and he studied under Dan Siegel and he was just saying to me, your child has to make the decision that they want to do that. And with a child like Zandine, like one of my children, which I won't mention, because of their diagnosis and their personality, it's almost like impossible unless that doesn't come from them. And yeah. you have to hold up with my one child like that. I just say, I'm never, I'm not going to lower the standards for you. So you need to meet these standards. And how are you going to meet them? And yes, I know it's hard. Um, and I, you know, but it's a balance because that, um, that child psychologist who was so smart, it's a balance because you need to let them fail and know what that feels like. And you have to watch them fail, which is hard to watch, which is hard to watch, especially when they're so emotional about it and they already have this trauma. Right. Like, but you also need to be there and not be angry about it. Yeah. And be empathetic and be even keel and the big thing is being um what the book the book i'm reading now self-driven child by dan siegel one of the many books it's a good one oh it's by dan siegel yeah it's It's really good i don't think those are my kids though i don't need no 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 it's completely not the title is not what it's about it it, those are your kids oh really okay it's about it's about how to parent not about the child being self-driven it's about you as a parent taking a step back and there's a whole thing about being the non-anxious present presence you know i read it and i was like check 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 i literally was like this guy has my fucking number so i I said the same thing because i was like you really need to read it that when i saw the that child psychologist he kept saying you need to read this because this really pertains to you and i'm like but this isn't you know that my issue is that this child is not self-driven but the book is not about that. The title is actually misleading. It's about okay. how to parent a, ch- a child that needs to find their own drive. And that's what she needs to do. Like, And, and, and Lexi's somewhere along the line. And how your it. behavior influences that. Influences that, especially with a child, because the one that I'm dealing with around this topic is uber sensitive. Like they have the uber sensitive tentacles of life. They feel everything you feel. That's Sandy. They in, incorporate all of your emotions into their being. And so there's a whole section, a whole paragraph about how to be a non-anxious presence around a child like that. And that's me. And that that anxiety is giving them a signal that I don't trust you. You're not capable. You know, so it's, it's crazy. So you should read it anyway, because I think it would really, really help you right now. Well, I think and it would I help think you Lex, right now. I mean, Lexi's lazy, and and she doesn't have the self, like she doesn't have the drive at all. And it's like, how do you 
She's not late. Here's the other thing too. I really want you guys to stop using the word lazy. Yeah, I use the word lazy all the time. I really, you got to stop. Okay. You got, I have a real, real bug up of mine, but about that because someone that has ADHD, that's so common. That is something that is put on ADHD people that they're lazy and it's really hurtful. That makes sense. And it's such, it's a really negative word. So I want mm. you today to stop using that word. Okay, I'll, I'll because stop. Because the term is not lazy. It is. She doesn't have she's a drive. Not, no, it's not that. She's not interested. <laughs> that's so true. And that's okay, what we that guy was telling me. That again, yeah, because she's not, he, he was like, she, he's not interested. Would you be interested in doing laundry at that age? No. There's some kids that are smart enough to push back. There's some kids that are not robots because you taught them not to be well, a robot. Well, that's the hardest part too. To is that like we taught these kids? You taught them to have agency, and so yeah, yeah Chris is. They're this. not gonna. They're not beaten down. They're not gonna tell you no. They're not gonna. I mean, I make my one kid that's like that take out the trash, and it drives my husband crazy because he's like, "Why do you have to tell him every time he needs to take it out? He should just do it." I'm like, "Because he doesn't. He's not interested in doing it." Yeah, which is totally true. It doesn't true. appeal to him. It doesn't appeal to me as an yeah, adult. Yeah, but we know what to do. But we know what to do. So I have to keep telling him to do it, and I have to keep pushing him mm-hmm. to do it. And it, I can't expect he's going to do it on his own, and I can't expect one day he'll do it on his own. And you know what? He started to do it on his own. But it took three years to realize, like, because they're not interested. And a well, child with ADHD doing a non-preferred task, yeah, you know, yeah. Is like asking, like for me, when the I have to do my taxes, I'd rather, I literally tell people, I'd rather walk on hot coals. Well, it's, it's funny. It's so hard for me to pull my attention into Alonza that. Alonza was over yesterday for, um, we had the kids over and we had, yeah. we had burgers or whatever. So we were talking and he was like, how, like time management, like why, like you have ADHD, like how did you figure it out or whatever? And yeah. I sit here and go, the risk and the consequence was big enough for me. Yeah, for them, I know. not that big, you know. Like they don't understand. So if they don't take out the trash and it sits there, yeah, like you'll end up doing it, or you'll end up yelling them, getting them to do it, right? You know? But if they lived on their own and then they realized that they had no more space, they would take out the trash exactly, and then they would realize like, oh, I should do this on a weekly basis, and they right. would do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they're right. forced to. Yeah, but as kids in this family units it's like not the the risk and the consequence isn't has high right you know right so and uh it's a that's uh, a lot but that's a whole i mean it it's it's simpler than it it doesn't need to be as as complicated as we make it it's like what i say to my he's like i'll just take it out because i can't stand it there i'm like you're not teaching them anything and you know what they're not interested and they just have to be told over and over. That's yeah. how you learn stuff. Yeah. It's, it's over Turn and off over. the lights when you leave the room. Turn off the lights when you leave. How many times do you have to say that? A hundred. Yeah. And eventually they'll start turning off the lights. So, so yeah. So anyway. Bas- that's- so basically what you're saying and what I, what Margaret told me about excuses and all this stuff, I realized that the conversation that Chris has been, has been trying to have with me for the last year. Yeah. Like he was right, and I wasn't holding firm mm. to certain things or whatever. No, he's I, still lacking connection. Don't get me wrong, but like I, 
like I, I, I don't know what I could have done and I don't know what to do moving forward, except now that I'm homeschooling, it'll be easier for me to keep these boundaries in place or whatnot. But I apologized to him and I was like, look, like I couldn't hear it from you because of you being triggered by Zandy and then you not really being connected to Zandy. Like I overcompensated, so I couldn't hear it from you. Yeah. And you're my husband and sometimes you just can't hear things from your husband. That's true. And I needed Margaret, who's not emotional, to tell me. What did she say about it? Like, tell me what she said about the, what was her deep dive about it? Basically that we're not holding, I'm not holding, and I'm giving excuses to Zandy for her actions. Like, she's the one who needs to take responsibility. Yeah. And her lack of, her doing of doing nothing is why we're We're here here right now. Yeah. And I was like, but she's 12 and she's still learning and she has this shame and she has this trauma and I'm being all empathetic, but there's a way to be empathetic and go, look, I know this sucks. Yeah. And this is what we have to do. You know? Yeah. No, I I don't think. I agree. And I don't, I, and that's, this is where I'm stuck still. Cause I don't know how, like it's, it's out of my control. Like I can't mm-hmm. change her self-talk. I can't, I can tell her all I want that I think she's amazing and that ADHD is a superpower and dyslexis, dyslexia is being a superpower and all yeah. that stuff. But like yeah. until she believes it and takes it as empowerment and change her self-talk, like there's, not there's a nothing lot I can, can do. do. I mean, and I can understand, so I, I can understand like it's a risk for her to do these things in front of people because she thinks she's going to get bullied and she doesn't want to take that risk. Right. And she has to learn to read. And the right. only way to learn to read is by going through and learning to read and doing the work. And, you know, like. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to hold her to these things. Right. Because I don't want to take away the things that she has had success in of like acting and singing and all right. that stuff. And to me, it's like separate because it's like. I don't have those kind of, like, I don't believe in those kind of consequences because they don't correlate, you know? Right. Like, I don't, I understand, like, okay, you can't watch TV until your room is clean. Like, right. I get that because this has to get done before that, you know? Right. But I don't believe in, like, taking things away when they've already had so much loss but because of trauma and be like, how is that, cor- like, how is that going to? I don't think it's that. And, look, I'm talking and, I like, I know what I'm talking about, but I struggle with it every day. It's about accountability. And yes. that's what I do with my child that's like that. I don't lower my expectations. Like, I expect you to, at this age, be able to hand in all your homework without someone looking over your shoulders. I'm going to make you accountable for that. I'm not going to lower that expectation because I know you're capable of it. And I think sometimes when you give a child a low bar, they only meet you at that low bar. And I think just bringing your expectations up and saying, and I, and I also think, too, like, you need to, you know, whatever, with fucking burning money on fucking therapists and all that shit drives me crazy. But I think knowing, talking to someone coming from trauma, she's always going to live with that trauma. Mm-hmm. So she's just going to have to live 
with that trauma. Does that make right. sense? It and it's like, ha- it can't be her story. It can't, it be can't her hold excuse. her back. It can't be her excuse. And she just has to have a paralleled path because it's that you can't take away what happened to her the first nine months of her life. Like that's just, it, no. That's, and that's, it's really not even done. nine months because after that, she was forced to see her biological right. mother so for three years. Like, yeah. you know, and then we got she Jackson, was which was kid. also yeah. crazy, you know? So, so there's, and then we lost our, our brother, which is also a loss, you know? So there's all this other trauma too. So, but yeah, it can't be. But then I, but that I think is what Margaret was bringing to my attention. Cause I was like, yeah. well, she needs an educational therapist to help her with this. And she needs the school to get more time. And she needs, yeah. you know, but there was nothing was, what is she going to do? Yeah. needs to take responsibility. And Zandy needs yeah. to understand that her lack of doing is what caused this to be in the same spot. And Zandy needs to move forward through the uncomfortable. But then I yeah. immediately go, but how does a 12 year old do that? You know, like they need guidance and help or whatever. But then I'm, taking responsibility or expecting like Amy, the educational therapist to do it, you know, like, and really it's just Zandy. Zandy yeah. has to do it. And, and Chris has to get over her, his anger. Like I can't do that. Exactly. Like, I got to let go of the control of the things I cannot control. That's right. And that's right. That I can is only I'm working on be empathetic one of my kids. Yeah. And then keep the accountability there. So I think if I homeschooled, it would be easier for me to yeah. hold her to these accountabilities. Right. Because I could sit there and go, okay, well, we're sitting here until we get it done. Right. You know, but Miss Alyssa can't do that because they're on a time frame. And, you know, and I feel like two or three weeks in, she's going to be like, well, this isn't working anymore. I don't right. have to just do it. Right. You know? Right. But we have to go through the hard before it gets. You do. She's got to go. She's got to go through that. And I think the thing that is like interesting to me, because with Jojo, she is an ed therapist and she, the ed therapist and I just laughed because she just put that ed therapist through the ringer. But we always, we see progress. You know what I mean? And she's working through the hard and we're seeing the progress and it's not overnight. And the ed therapist is like, thank you for allowing it to take the time it's going to take because it's not going to happen overnight. You know, it's like a year, you know? And so, but she's got to show up and she's got to work through the hard. And so that's what she needs to learn what to do. And that's what you have to help her. The resilience like you got to show up. You got to show up and you got to be willing to work through the hard and she'll get there. And she's asked me. I mean, she, in tears she and get everything, there. she's cried to me and said, like, I just want my brain to be like everyone else's. Why is it so different? Like, why is it that Lexi can read and I can't? And I was like, do you want the, the naked, honest truth? Yeah. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, at some point, Lexi decided to work through it. Exactly. And so she did. Yeah. I go, she is not smarter than you. Yeah. She I was just, like, she yeah. just went through the hard and she just worked through the hard yeah and you have chosen to refuse to do it exactly you put your fingers in your ears and say no 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 I'm not doing it you right say no and then sit there and pout and I was like you don't work through the hard so but it's interesting too because so I apologize to Chris and then 
I asked him to clarify of like the whole giving up on him, giving up on her, and I had right. like the first time or whatever. And he was like, "I'm not gonna not be her dad. I'm not gonna not." He's like, "I'm just tired of throwing money at things and her not putting the effort in, and I'm tired." of that and I was like well the way you worded it it really sounded like you had no hope right and belief yeah in her yeah and then he was like it's not that I don't have hope and belief in her I just know that if nothing changes then not then then I won't have hope and belief in her so it was this weird spot where it's not a hundred percent where I need him to be yeah but at the same time I understand where he's coming from and I was telling her him like you need to have the hope and belief in her because she doesn't have it in herself and she needs to see that her parents yeah aren't gonna give up on her absolutely and are continue gonna mm-hmm. you know but it's hard for him because all he's seen is the lack of effort and all he's seen I know. Spend fifty thousand dollars for the school that we thought was going to work, and, and it didn't work. Didn't. Yeah. You know, it's really so, hard when there's a monetary. I mean, I think like with my one that I'm going through, what my one child that is like that, what he's what they say to me, which helps me know I'm doing the right thing, is thank you for not giving up on me. Like even when we're at the most difficult points and we're getting the most pushback, I just grit my teeth. And I just, I'm still there. I'm still there. Still having my expectations. And, you know, you just you just have to be there to push them through that process. And they'll get there as long as you're there. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's I, like she will get there at some point. She will just, and also at some point she'll say, this sucks. And I don't want to do this anymore. So I just, maybe I should just try doing my work. Or yeah, trying to I, get through the hard. And I think that if. Doing it with me, who's like a complete safe person. Yeah. I think she'll, she'll know I'm not going to give up on her, you know? And I'm going to tell her that every day. I'm not going to give up on you, so I can sit here as long as you want. Exactly. You know? At a certain point, Jackson's going to come. It's going to be harder. And at a certain point, this is going to happen. It's going to be harder. Like, yeah. And let's just get it done, you know? Yeah. Kind of thing. And she's better at task-oriented anyways. I think homeschooling actually is going to be... And and that I mean and that's that's the whole that's the that's the bigger picture is that not every child is capable of doing what they're being asked of at a a school setting and that doesn't mean they're a failure you know like it's not even when you pay $50,000 and you go to a school that's only created for kids with special needs, they still sit at a desk, have a bell ring, take out a sheet of paper, are expected to turn things in, expected to do things on a timed basis. So even that is put on them, right? You know, expected to eat lunch at the same time. So I, I think, yeah. look, some people could be listening to saying, oh, you're gratuitous, cause, you know what I mean? Yes, whatever, but... Um, that still doesn't fit for every kid. No, and I actually think that she is very... And that's why some kids are homeschooled. I think she's very task-oriented, so she can be like, okay, got this yeah. done, you know? Because she would come home with homework, and she would do it all on Monday and Tuesday, so she didn't have to do it the rest of the week. Yeah. You know? So, like, she gets it. Yeah, she does get it. It's right. just, when it's hard, she doesn't want to work through it, and I'm hoping with 
the therapist helping her, the emotional therapist helping her go through things, and then the educational therapist helping her go through things, and then me not giving up and sitting there and being with her, the one-on-one will help her get there. And and then... And you, you know, know what? She... And I'm going to tell you this too, because I really believe this, and Matthew's really, really good about this stuff, is they change every year. They're growing so much physically and emotionally and mentally that even just even just improve like even them just you know getting older helps click over like jojo recently just has been saying things like i know that i mean she doesn't like to do non-preferred tasks you know she struggles she's super bright but she just said i want to go to a good high school and so i know i have to do these things and i have to go to school that i don't really want to do and I don't really think I should have to do them, but I know I just have to do them. So she's finally accepted and making the connection of, I want this, so I have to do this. And she's in a mode of acceptance, you know, but that's recent. But I also, but I attribute that to her age and just being more mature. And, you know, the most growth happens between the ages of 10 and 15. It does. It's insane. We, it's insane. We're right in the middle of that, of her, yeah, you know, like the feral cat our years are coming of, you never know what you're going to get, like figuring out who she is and like all of this stuff that I'm, yeah. I, know, I just keep thinking of what Jay Leno said of like how he learned to do hard things because of the dyslexia. Yeah. And so he learned the resilience and grit. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I just had the wrong expectation thinking that they would already have learned that by now no but she's learning it now and i'm in my head i'm going this this lesson that she's embarking and then the pathway that we're taking right now is going to really be amazing when she's 25 but you know like but but having like what she's going through now like learning how the like working through the hard getting the resilience and the grit all that stuff is happening now and when she's 25 30 it's going to be like okay Absolutely. You know, I'm trying to keep that perspective and hope of like, this, but they're she's le- going through it now. They're learning. That's what I mean. They're learning it every day. Yeah. Like, like, you know, um, I look at Marlo and I think every day that Marlo gets up and walks through life is hard. So every day, every hour, every month, she's learning more resilience, more resilience. Cause she has no choice because she wouldn't be able to survive if she wasn't because of what her, disability is and so you know they'll get there yeah they'll get there it's It's painful I think it's more painful for us than them sometimes honestly and I think having a boundary of your emotion that's my issue and I'm really trying to be like I'm not them they're not me that's their path it's not my path that's their grades they're not my grades that's their friends they're not my friends it's just hard when you have kids with disabilities you know, it's hard with neurotypical kids, but then it's even harder with kids with disabilities. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to use it as an excuse, but you also need to give them more grace and and compassion and whatnot and accommodations and everything because of their disability. So it's like that fine line that I feel like I'm screwing up all the time. I think what, what I'm learning, and I'm not perfect at it, is being firm, not angry. Because before I was really angry at one of mine. And I was really disappointed. And I would use language of like, I'm disappointed. I'm angry. Why are you doing this? 
we've given you everything. It doesn't make sense. And uh, now. Yeah. That's exactly what we've been telling Sandy. And now it's just more firm. Yeah. Like you are doing this. You know, you've, you screwed up. And so now you're going to have to have a net therapist. And it is what it is. It is what it is. He said it brilliantly. It was like, thank you for bending and not breaking. And I feel like. Oh my God, I know. Chris is broken. <laughs> you know what? You need, to, you need to say that to Chris. I do. Because one of my kids, we, we're going through this with one of them. And this child said, like, this child is like a Zen Buddhist. No he joke. said, He said, look, you know, we're working through all this hard stuff with grades, of course. And this child said, gave me a hug and said, thank you for bending and not breaking over this. And that's exactly right. That's it. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really good. Because they need to see analogy. that we are strong enough to handle anything and not break. And it not break us. Oh, because they already... if they see it breaks us, then they think there's no fucking hope for them. And why wouldn't they? And like that, if they're well, like, if my parents can't handle it and they're broken over this, then why? How can there have been any, well, any hope I that I can get that through it? Because my kids have seen me broken completely. No, like, no, no, no. Broken means losing your shit, telling them they suck, giving up on them, telling them you're giving up on them, kicking them out of the house, not paying attention to them, not meeting their needs. That's breaking. Okay. That's breaking. Breaking means I am done. I'm giving up on you. I'm blaming, you know, I'm putting a, you know, a label on you forever. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm done. That's when, that's breaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're bending all the time. No, I feel like I break You're too, bending. but I, I need to bend more. Because I, I, there's times where I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with the fighting. Like I'm done with the stupid fights that y'all have. Like I'm done with them. Because it's, it's no, that's fucking parenting. Trust me. I mean, I literally like our dinner. I mean, I, whatever. That's all. But I think Patty, listen to me. You are doing everything you need to do. It's a journey and there's going to be many, many twists and turns. And you just get, you know what? You just got to get back up. You yeah. know. You're, I gotta, you're amazing at it. You just got to get back up, dust yourself off, and move forward. I apologize to Chris about the whole thing. And I was like, I need to recalibrate and then keep moving forward. You do. And that's what I'm And doing. that's all you got to do. And it kind of, it's good that it happened like right now because I'm like summer's hitting. Exactly. Recalibrate. Connect, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. It's easier for Chris to connect with the kids when it's summer because it's easy for me and him to be like, I'm going to go take Lexi here. I'm going to do Sandy. Right. Know? And well, there's not the pressure of school either. Yeah. I and mean, it's nice because I feel like school is like 50% of my job. I feel like sometimes. Um, so it happened at a really good time. It did. I mean, I'm going to definitely go back into the blaming me. I could have done this better. I should have done that better, whatever. But I got to How about if you, if you reframe it, it's not blaming. You're going to be reflective. Reflecting. And you're going to reflect on what you think you could have done better for next time. Yes. You're going to reflect. You're not going to blame. I don't need That's to, what you're going to do. I don't do. need to blame. I need to reflect and change. That's what I'm doing with this one at this juncture because I'm not happy. I feel like I didn't intervene soon enough. I feel like I gave this person too much rope 
because they asked for it and they really shouldn't have been given too much rope. And I am trying my hardest not to beat myself up and I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to just say, I'm reflecting on what happened. It's not the end of the world. And so I'm just gonna not let that happen again. I like that. We're gonna reflect and then so that we can change. Yep. We're not gonna blame. Not gonna blame. We're not gonna shame. No shaming. We're gonna reflect. Reflect. Reflect so we can change. Yep. I like it. Okay, All listeners. Right. We'll keep you posted like usual. We love you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. We truly appreciate it. Please subscribe to Finding Neurodivergence through Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.